Good morning. Thank you for standing as we read God's word. From Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Paula. Paula, every time, every time Paula reads, I feel like we should all be sitting on a rug cross-legged. And she's going to just read us everything. Um, well, good morning again, uh, everyone. My name's Sean. Look at this thing. Mega desk. Um, um, I just, all I care about is mega pulpit. Um, no, this is, uh, yeah, this is nice. Uh, my name's Sean. If I don't know you, I'm the, uh, the lead pastor, teaching pastor here for Redemption Peoria. Uh, just a, a little bit about uh, Redemption uh, Church. We're one church, 10 different congregations spread across the, the state of Arizona. Each congregation is elder-led, lead pastor-led. Uh, you got questions about who we are, how we operate, or you just want to say hi. Um, and honestly, I, I mean that. If you just want to come up and say hi, myself and, and some of the elders are going to be uh, out by the Connect desk, which is uh, to our right as we go out from here, and just come up and say hi and and, and, and all that. I only have one announcement real quick for you um, uh, outside of just the normal uh, deal, and I'll get to that in a second. But I do want to say, if you, you plan to come into Redemption Peoria for a while, something you're going to hear a lot is communities is the place to be. Communities is ultimately where we feel like life is going on in our church. It's the engine that drives what we do. Um, and so we don't want to just throw you into a community. We want you to know, if you are new, a little bit about us. So um, you can attend a Start Here class, which is the first three weeks of every month. Uh, so in January, you can jump into that class. John Demeter leads those classes. Uh, and if you want to get connected to that class, you can text uh, this number, 623-850-4690. That number there, if you text the word connect, is a way to get connected to classes or start here or any of that stuff. So just know that is uh, on deck. One quick announcement for you, and it's Christmas Eve. I want to remind you, next week is uh, Sunday. So Sunday lands on, on Christmas Eve, and next week um, we are going to be doing three services, but we're doing two regular services like we do in the morning because it lands on a Sunday, and then a different Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock. It will be an hour long, Uh, so come in here. There'll be lots of music. I'll talk with us for about 15 minutes. We're not going to do any child care, which I actually kind of love because I love, I've I've shared this with you guys before, we're like, it's hot in here, we're crowded, it's packed, we're singing, babies are crying. It's like we're living out the gospel at that point. I love it. And then we sing that one song, and uh, I don't know if it's, oh, night, divine. What song is that, Josh? Oh, holy night. Right, of course. Um, That's that's it right there, and I go for it every year, and I get it. Um, so anyway, just know that's there. We've decided to take our season of Advent, the four weeks from Thanksgiving to Christmas, uh, and, and ponder, think on, meditate on the return of Jesus, the Advent, the coming of Jesus, 
uh, the, the first time and the, the second time uh, to think through that through the lens of adoption. And uh, the way that we've done this is we started with this idea of what um, ultimately we've been adopted, um, who we've been adopted by, what type of family we've been adopted by. So we, we started with uh, Romans, and we weren't in 14 through 17. We started at the end of Romans, verse 31 through 39, and we just talked about how God's powerful, how he's secure, how he's loving. Well, next, or last week, the week after that, we ended up going into, um, uh, we've been adopted by, what do we do? We've been adopted uh, from, thank you, yeah, I've really been studying this stuff. Um, we've been adopted from, right? So, and, and that's the point, which I want to show you this text, if you can throw up um, Romans eight fourteen through 17. That's the point where we uh, talked about, uh, we've been adopted from this idea that we've been, uh, some, there's a spirit of slavery, we've been adopted from that. Now, I want to skip this week. Um, because that's, that's where we went, uh, yeah, that's where we were at last week. So can you put up the first one uh, that, that I gave you guys? What we're going to do is, in this whole passage, instead of giving you a breakdown for each date, this is the focus of Advent. We're going to go to the end of this uh, section of Scripture, at the end of 17, where it starts with, provided we suffer. Now, what we're going to do next week on Christmas uh, Eve is we're going to get into, so that's, the, that's our section today, we're going to get into the middle portion of that, ultimately, who we've been and, and what we've been adopted to. Okay, so that's kind of how this whole thing works. So if you've been tracking with us and it's kind of hard to understand what, we, what we've been doing, adopted by, adopted from, adopted for, and adopted to. So today we're getting into, we've been adopted by God. That's true. The reality of what that means we'll get into next week. But let's sit in real quick. What have we been adopted for? So that, that leads us to our text. Let me read it as Paula did. Not as well as Paula did, but let me read it. Uh, let's go verse 14 and then we're going to sit on... Uh, the back half there, um, the back end of it uh, in 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into slavery, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. We're going to unpack that next week. So money. And then here's where we're going to sit provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It doesn't seem like a lot, but there's a lot to unpack there. And it starts with this word provided, um, if indeed, right? It's this idea uh, that you're sitting at dinner. Everybody knows this word. If you're a parent, hey, can I have dessert? And what do you say? If you eat all of your dinner, right? And this is what's going on. There's a idea that this is true only if this is true. So uh, what is true? Let's start there before we have to get what needs to be true. What is true? Uh, starting there in the middle section. Now we're going to unpack it the most uh, next week again, but let's just kind of go at what we've been uh, talking about thus far. We recognize that it's true that we've been rescued from a spirit of slavery. It's true that we've been adopted by a powerful patriarch. It's true that we are in the family of God. All that is true. All that is true if indeed provided something. Now, um, I want to also add it. If you look at your text, look at the, the, the text that we have again. The back half of this section of 17 uh, that we're reading in here is also part of, if this is true, in order that we may be also glorified with him. Meaning, before we get what needs to be true, let's, we, we've been adopted, we, we've been set free from a spirit of slavery, okay? But also, we, we will one day be glorified. Now, glorification is one of those weird words that in Christianity, every religion has these closet words that we don't want to unpack because it sounds crazy. Ours just happens to be the apex of our faith, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that one day we'll be glorified. Glorified is the recognition that right now your body is breaking down. You are dying every single day. But one day that won't be true. 
One day you will receive a body just like Jesus Christ when he was raised from the dead. That is a fact if you are a Christian. That's the hope that you have. That the palpitating heart every time there's a loss of life, the palpitating heart every time there's a loss of job, the hurts, the pains, the weeps, all of it is bundled up and go, no, 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 that is no more. You will receive a resurrected body on the new earth to live forever with Christ. Now that is true provided if indeed that that's true and let's just keep it real simple if if here it is you ready two words if we suffer if we suffer now so let's just let's put it out there it's true you've been adopted you are in the family of god You, you will one day be glorified if you suffer if you suffer, what does that mean? Like, what are we supposed to do with that? So I'm, I, I, is this like a, a masochistic suffering? Like, everywhere I go, I have to be punching myself in the leg. I'm, I, I'm, I'm constantly sleeping on a, bale of, a, a, a bed of nails. Like, what does that mean? There's no comfort that I can possibly hold on to. What does it mean that if we suffer? And maybe it's not a masochistic. Maybe it's a, a passive suffering. Maybe for every believer, God has an appointed time that every believer has to go through a, a moment of suffering, a, a, a time of testing. And if that's true, then when that comes, if you suffer in that moment, then, then and only then will you be adopted. Will you be glorified? Is that what's going on? Now, um, fortunately, the original language actually helps us here. Not the word for suffer, but actually the tense that it's in. What I mean by that is every verb you've ever used in your entire life, run, uh, fill, uh, live, all those verbs that you've ever used have always been in two categories, three, but for the over, for just for simplification uh, uh, sake, we're going to say two, okay? There's an active way to talk about a verb, and there's a passive way to talk, uh, talk about a verb. There's also a middle way, which gets confusing. We're not going to talk about that right now. Just active and passive. So if I can explain this, I know this isn't an English class, but if I can explain this, I would explain it like this. Um, so right now it's football season, right? Bowl season. It's, we're getting to playoffs in the NFL. Imagine a D-line. Somebody's on the defense. Oh, man. There's, okay. I, I'm going to pretend I'm explaining this to my wife, okay? So there's guys with helmets, Okay. Okay, so, so there, there, there's, there's the, the, the D-line, right? Okay, so these guys who are going to be going after the quarterback once the ball is snapped into the quarterback's hands, okay? So the, the, the D-in, let's say the defensive end, gets around the offensive line and he tackles, which is called a sack, but I'm explaining to my wife, we're just going to call it a tackle. Tackles the quarterback, okay? Now, we're going to use that word tackle in the active sense and the passive sense. The quarterback, from his perspective, was tackled. He, he got tackled, Okay? But from the DN's perspective, he did the tackling. He tackled. Now, from the DN's perspective, he is actively tackling. He's the one, and you use that same word, tackled. It's in the active tense. But as the quarterback, it's in the passive tense. So what is when we hear all these things are true, if we suffer, what tense is it in? It's in the active. It's in the active not going to like to hear this, but, but that leaves an element of the fact that we are the defensive end, that we do not just sit back, though I think that's true, which we'll get into in a moment, but there is a sense that, and even an element, that we actually pursue suffering. Now that's, like, what do we do with that? Like, did the guy who even wrote this just miss that? Like, the Apostle Paul is not walking around taking bottles of glass, throwing it everywhere he walks so he can suffer. 
What, what do we do with this? How, how do we actively pursue suffering? I, I want to be adopted into the family of God. If that's true, then I've got to look at my life. And if it's active, then what does that mean to suffer, to actively choose suffering? How do I process that? Now, now it might be easy if we were in another context, right? Because there's moments where by declaring I'm a Christian, suffering's coming my way and I can actively choose that. But that's not as easy as in suburbia. It's not as easy in the Western world. So, so how do we, or, or what does it look like to suffer? Now, here's what I love about what Paul does in this, this section. He doesn't tell us the amount of suffering you need to go through. He doesn't tell us um, exactly what needs to happen for you to suffer. He answers the what that you're looking for, that I'm looking for. What do we need to do to be glorified? He answers the what with a who. This is what he says. Provided we suffer, listen to this, you ready? With him. There it is. Again, two words. We suffer with him. So let's pretend for a second there's a, a family, uh, just a mom and dad have a teenage son. They're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, they end up passing away and they leave this 16-year-old uh, son to the only kin that's left, uh, uncle, brother of the dad on the dad's side, okay? Now, the uncle's the only kin, and, and this is the 16-year-old's boy. He's got two options. He can go live with him or he can go into the system. So the boy sits and he goes, well, I'd rather go with my uncle. Uh, the uncle sits him down and he goes, listen, you're more than welcome to come live with me. I make a, a pretty decent wage. I'd love if you come to, to, came to live with me. But here's what I need you to know. I've devoted my life to living into the, in the inner city of Detroit. I've devoted my life to giving half of my money away. I've devoted my life to helping people who are struggling. Now, you can come live with me, but I'm telling you, it's going to be difficult. And if you choose to come live with me, you're going to experience that same difficulty. Now, when we hear the words with him, I think that's what's going on. When we hear that we are to suffer, it's not even that we are to actively choose punching ourselves in the head. It's not to actively choose any of that. Rather, we are actively choosing to enter in how he suffers. Now, that's a game changer because we understand what it means theologically, or at least I hope we do, uh, to be in union with Christ. The the doctrine of union with Christ. The idea that um, you will be glorified, that you will receive a resurrected body. Or let's just keep it super simple. To be in union with Christ is to be loved by God the Father, the way that Jesus, the Son, is loved by God the Father. You are accepted the way that Jesus is accepted. You will one day spend eternity with him because you are in union with Jesus Christ. That, that's, that's just a theological truth. Now, if it sits there, we know that's true. But being in union with Christ is more than just eschatological. It's more than just the way that the world ends. It's more than just the salvation of your soul. There's a union with Christ that Paul goes at over and over and over again, right? One of the most famous ones, Galatians 2.20, that I've been crucified with Christ. So if I'm going to be raised with him because I'm in union with him, then there's something to be said that I also take upon the sufferings or the burden that he takes on. That I actively choose suffering. But suffering is not an end of itself. I'm choosing suffering because I'm in union with him, and that is the path he chose. And so the question that we've got to ask is, 
over and over and over again, God, I, I want to be in the family of God. I want to be set free from the spirit of adoption. I want to be glorified. That's, that's just true. That's where I said I want all of that to be true. What, what, what does that mean? What do I need to do? Are there, are there things that have to take place? And it just says simply, that's true. You can know it's true. You can't earn it. It's just uh, by the grace of Jesus Christ. But you know it's true if indeed provided you suffer with him. And so I've got to go, well, how did Jesus suffer? How did Jesus suffer? I mean, that, that's, the, that's the guy I've got to examine. I mean, like, let's, like, super practical and maybe sounds heretical, but he's the key. He's the way to unlock this whole thing. Now, now it's true. We can look at the life of Jesus and we can see, yes, yes and amen. He fasted for 40 days. He denied himself. He was persecuted. I mean, even in this context, as you read Romans uh, chapter 8, you're, you're going to get to that long list that we got to in the first week, right? And it uses the term persecution. I think that's true about Jesus. But what I find most interesting, if we're going to be in union with Christ, attach ourselves with Christ in his suffering and asking the question, how did he suffer? If you read the Gospels, for the most part, the way that Christ suffers Hear this, this is really important. If I'm going to enter into Christ's suffering is, Christ identifies with those who suffer. That's how Christ suffers. I mean, let's just, real simple. Jesus leaves a really, really good place to come to a place to help that is not as good as the place he was in to help you and I. He enters into suffering, and then as his ministry goes on, over and over and over again, the way that we see and we come alongside Jesus as we look at him and go, Jesus, how did you suffer? And he says, you want to know how I suffer? I suffer with those who suffer. You don't believe me. Let, let's do this. Um, I don't have this on the, on the um, screen, so you're going to have to turn there. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, and I want you to listen to this because this is huge. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3, and as we read this, I want you to notice how many times the word comfort appears, either in verb or noun, noun form. I'll just tell you right now, it's like 10 times in, in the, what are we going to read? We're going to read five verses, 10 times. I want you to listen to this. And, and as you do, I want you to think, how do you define comfort? The word comfort, how do you define that? What, what does that mean to you? And I want you to listen to this, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction. You ready? Two words. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so, th- so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too, right? So, so maybe we get to experience the, the comfort of Christ. So let's break that down. What is the, the comfort of Christ? If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. This is, a, I told you, is a lot. Which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. So hear this. Here's what Jesus did. If Jesus experienced comfort, it was for the sake of others' comfort. So people can join in his comfort. But when we experience suffering, when he experienced loss, when he experienced pain, it was for the sake of entering in to those who are suffering to bring them comfort. So you have in your life, wherever you are right now, comfort. 
And you have right now, wherever you are in your life, a form of suffering. And what's put on the table here, whether suffering or comfort, you are joining Christ, provided that with him you are suffering, you are entering in. And here's what I want to just as gently as as I can, but pastorally intensive, say this. You want to know where Jesus is right now. You want to be with Jesus. He's with the inmate in the prison right now. Do you understand? You want to be with Jesus? He's building a well in India right now for people who don't have water. You want to be with him? That's where he is. He's in the barrios in Mexico right now, building shelter for people who don't have it. He's in El Mirage. He's in downtown Peoria. He's in Maryvale. He's with the 90-year-old widow who's eating dog food right now because she ran out of her money in Sun City. That's where he is. You want to be with him? That's where he is. Provided you suffer. So for you to sit back, Jesus is not in the comfort of our home. He's not sitting back behind our garage doors, our padlocks. That's not where he is. You want to enter into the suffering with Christ, then go where he is. Now, this is what's interesting because um, sometimes this can be spun as if to say, well, so you're saying suffering's not in suburbia? Oh, I, I don't doubt suffering's in suburbia. I don't doubt that where we live, suffering is all around us. I'm saying pursue that suffering then. Find your neighbor. If they got hurt, if it's there, seek it out. Where is their brokenness? Where is their pain? Christ, lead me. Because that's where you are. you are. You are healing the world. You are bringing your kingdom. Now, let's not kid ourselves. We know what the topic of, of our Advent series is. It's, it's on adoption. Like, and, and for us to sit and, and ask the question, well, what have we been adopted for? I mean, we can't help but like just echo in our mind over and over, pure and undefiled religion is this, to visit the orphan and widow in their time of need and keep ourselves unspotted from the world. That word visit is interesting because in, in a noun form, it's a watcher. That our job, you want to know where uh, a Christ is right now? Where, where like he, he is in his body? You, you want to know where he is in his spirit, what he's doing right now? He's with the seven-year-old kid who feels like he's never going to get adopted. That's where he is, sleeping on DCS floors last night. He's with the two-year-old that's been through six different homes. That's where he is right now. He's trying to convince the four-year-old that somebody does love him. And let's, let's be straight, because like, I, I think you can hide behind some dude standing up here with a blonde spot, being passionate, and think that I'm just trying to like, make you feel guilty. But that's not what this is. The text is there. Let it, let it do its work on your heart. Let the Holy Spirit just show you that you are to actively enter into suffering. If you have been adopted, if that is true, then you are to enter into the realms of those who suffer. And we have chosen to take on the mission of Jesus for our Advent season to recognize the seven-year-old. To know that there is a teenager this week who will age out of the system, have nowhere to go, and very few people to trust. And the people that he trusts, I don't know if I want him trusting them. And like, so, so, so don't hide from that. That's just there. Uh, and I'm super like, sketched out to, to share stats with you, but just listen to me. 18,000 of them. 18,000 kids are in the system right now. 18,000. 2,700 of those kids are, are ready right now to be adopted. All you got to do is get certified. You could get certified right now and go to the state and say, hi, I want 2,700 kids. Cool, I got them for you. And if you think that number is going down, it's not. Because though it's true that four families every single day 
will enter in to say, hey, we want to adopt for every four families that enter in, 34, of them, 34 more children enter into the system. That, that, that number's only going up, y'all. It's only going up. I mean, I was doing the math. This is crazy. If one out of every 200 Christians in the, just Maricopa County chose to adopt or foster, that, the, the, the number of those 2,700 kids would be wiped out. Every kid that could be adopted right now. So hear me when I say this. We choose to enter into suffering, and we've chosen to take our Advent season to talk about a particular kind of suffering. We have spiritually been adopted so that we can engage those who need to be adopted. We are entering into their suffering. And hear me, it is not easy. We have three biological children, and when we adopted Anna in this whole process, it's really difficult. I mean, man, we, we start this process and we get Anna, we pick her up from the hospital. We don't know if we're going to get to keep her. So there's this emotional disconnection that I just naturally do because of my upbringing with her. I'm choosing not to love her. And like, and then my heart gets close, right? And then it's like, well, the mom's coming back in the scene and you're living in this tension, this terrible, terrible tension. Listen to this tension. We are hoping to get this child. We, we want to adopt this child. But if we adopt this child, that means the biological mom is back on drugs, So we're praying for the mom to do well, but if she does well, we lose Anna. Hear me. We're entering in to the suffering of the world, and it's terrible. It's just not easy. And this is what we've been called to. I love this quote from Mike Williams. To have the blessings only end on ourselves is to actually be non-Christ-like. To only see how it benefits us is to not live like Christ. Hear me, you have been adopted by a father who loves me. Loves, well, he does love me, but he loves you as well, I guess. Okay? And, and being adopted, you have been set free from the spirit of slavery. Unfortunately, you're hearing all that language, and so, suddenly, like, we, we have a narcissistic Christianity, a therapeutic kind of all-about-me Christianity. And we forget that with this election, with this choosing, with this calling, comes this huge responsibility to take on the burden of Christ. That now in love, Christ, where are you? I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Where are you? Well, I'm with the inmate. Where are you? I'm with those who need water. Where are you? I'm with those who need food. Where are you? I'm with the 2,700 kids who need a home right now. That's where I am. Where are you? Where are you? Those are our children. Those kids belong to Christ. Those belong to the church. Where are we? Let's get practical. Um, I recognize there is a slew of ways that you can get involved. Um, And I want to share those ways with you. This is something that I think I speak on behalf of the elders for whatever reason, moving as the Spirit of God moves on Diana Clark and and us, it seems like this is something that God is moving our church to take really, really serious. That as a church, we want to enter into this brokenness and not just for the Advent season. We're using the Advent season to kick off for our vision, for our, our church to rally behind this suffering. But I get it. Some of you live on the campus of GCU with three other dudes, and we would like you not to foster or adopt. I get it. There are some of you not in a position right now that you can adopt. So what does that mean for us? 
Like, like where are we at? Because there, there's got to be a way that you can engage, right? If you were to visit, you don't need to be married and have a home to visit. If you're a watcher, you don't have to watch over the orphan and widow. You don't have to be, or you don't have to be married to watch over the orphan and widow. Let me sh- show you a list of, of, of some things. I have two lists for you. Um, the, the first list is uh, this, okay? So some of these things that we can talk about for us to enter in. And now this goes as, as a church, how can you as an individual enter in? And as I show you this list, um, uh, Kirsten Trena and Diana, I, I reached out to both of them this week and I said, I need an exhaustive list of ways that people can get involved. And through the both of them, I got a list of a hundred things that, that you and I can, in, can do to enter into this process, no matter what stage of life you are in, okay? I'm not gonna show you all hundred because it would take forever, but, but here's some ways that are obvious. First of all, I don't, I want to be careful not to make anyone feel like I adopted a family and then three years from now you're blaming me because of how how difficult it is because you were guilted into it. But I also don't want to remove the fact that we've been called in one way and God actually might be moving on your heart to foster. So you can become a foster parent, meaning the kids that are in our system right now, you can take them on until they find somebody who can permanently live with them. Okay. You can become a foster grandparent, same idea, but as a grandparent. You can provide respite for foster care. You can get approved. This is crazy. Um, you can get approved right now uh, so that there are families in the system who uh, need a, a weekend away, and you can be, be one of the um, legal, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, certified babysitters to provide that weekend away for those people. That's respite. You can provide respite care. You can do that. You can get approved and do that. You can serve as a guardian for a child, youth, in the foster care system. It's not difficult. You can be a GCU student, GCC student, PVCC student. You can be that. It's not difficult. You can do that. Become, a li- become licensed to provide care for a child, youth, in your extended family who has at risk and placement for a non-relative. So maybe one of those kids is in your own family. Our, our neighbors, one of the kids that is actually with us today, is, a, is a fostered to adopt uh, by uh, his uh, uncle. So that's what we have there. Uh, adopt a child from foster care system. So of the 2,700 kids, maybe you sit there and go, man, I don't want to enter in and then maybe lose that child. I want to either be in. Well, it's called, you, you get a bed placement. So in your home, you, you get this whole process going, hey, I, I want to be approved to have a bed. And, and that bed is for a child. Well, you can say, I only want that bed open for someone who can be adopted. Of those 2,700 kids, you can just straight adopt you can volunteer at a local foster care review board, or you can just give money. I mean, there are tons of um, organizations that need money. And we've actually devoted, um, we had a, a, a night where we just worshiped together. We devoted that night to our foster care and adoption stuff to kind of kick that whole thing off. And then we're going to give all of our offering on Sunday morning uh, next week and Christmas Eve, all of that offering to this whole thing. And we, we feel like there's three streams. We, we give to an organization uh, that works upstream, that, that takes care of these foster care initiatives, these moms, maybe before these kids ever get into the system. Then we work once those kids get down the stream. We work with, with, with or an organization that helps us take care of those kids once they are in the system. And then once they are adopted or being fostered, we work with another organization to help take care of those kids and those families and all that. Which leads me to the next slide, and I'm almost done here as uh, my time is running out. Um, Here's, here's, I'm going to show you an announcement in a second, but here's another way um, that you can be involved. And maybe you saying, I can't, um, I can't like firsthand uh, go through the whole process, be approved, all that stuff. Um, Diana Clark has really felt like she's been led by God um, for our church. And I I know I'm grateful for it um, to start something, these foster care um, support groups. Yeah. Foster she gave me a cool name. I forget what it was. Super tabulous foster care groups, I think is what it was. Um, 
adoption and foster care groups. There it is, adoption and foster care groups. The care works both ways, foster care, care groups. Okay, um, come around families who are adopting. So listen, you can babysit for those families who need a break. This is what's crazy about um, the, the system that we have. You don't need to be approved to do that, actually. So if you actually know a family who is adopting right now, and, and you don't have to go through the system as the same as respite, you can just go along, and here's what the state says. If that parent is willing to let um, you adopt their own biological kids, then you are not adopt. Uh, take care of or babysit or adopt. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> that's a lot more kids. Babysit for support group uh, meetings. Provide the meals for support groups. Scholarships for kids' needs in counseling. Wraparound teams, including prayer support, babysitting meals, toys, clothes, etc. We want to provide that. So here's what I'm going to say. Here's a, a first step for you. Because maybe your heart's churning a little bit. And you're going, man, I want to be adopted. What have I been adopted for? If I've been adopted for the purposes, um, or more appropriately provided, that I am going to be glorified if that I enter into the suffering with Christ. The suffering with Christ. If you're sitting there going, okay... What can I do? I call Redemption Pure in my home. How can I enter into this? Uh, can you put up this slide for uh, this announcement? So on January 28th, during second service, um, we're going to have a meeting about this exact idea. Um, this uh, adoption and foster care groups. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, okay, there's a lot of steps I need to do, but maybe right now I just want to come alongside those who are fostering, those who are adopting. How can I do that? Right? Now, there's other ways to enter into the system, and you're going to hear more about that um, over the coming months as there's classes to go to. But maybe just right now, you say, okay, I want to help those who are entering in right now. I want to enter into that suffering. I want to enter into it. And believe me, it's not easy. On January 28th, during second service, Diana Clark is going to uh, have a meeting. And so here's what I would say. You can see um, on the bottom this email, very long email address. We're going to get Diana Clark her own email address. But Peoria Foster Adopt at RedemptionAZ.com. Email that address. Diana Clark watches that uh, email address, and then that's going to uh, help you get connected. Okay? So here's what I'm going to leave you with, and I'm going to quote something from our man R.C. Sproul. Um, we have this idea that we've been adopted by God. We've been adopted from the spirit of slavery. And now as we go into next week, what we've been adopted to, hear me, a big part of this adopted to also is in congruence with the fact that we've been adopted into a family that has chosen suffering as the crown of eternity. Do you understand? You serve a God, and the song that will be sung about him forever and ever and ever is not, he's the man, he's so legit, this dude has skated all possible obstacles, nothing ever stuck to him, that is not the song that you'll sing. You want to know the song that you're going to sing for all of eternity is, blessed be the God, holy, holy, holy is the lamb that was slain. So the crown for all of eternity, the song that we will sing about Jesus is that he is holy, he is holy, he is holy, and that he was slain. He has entered into suffering. and He's worth it. He's so worth it. And so this week, if you're not um, familiar with the fact that we lost ourselves a legend, uh, a guy named R.C. Sproul, um, dude was the man. Um, uh, I, he helped Candace and I tremendously process reform theology, made it really simple for us, really um, one of three guys for me that, that um, brought me into what I feel like is a proper system of, of theology. And, and I thought I would quote him from his book, Surprised by Suffering, which is a great book. Um, he has a few really good books that, that um, I would tell you to pick up. And I just want to leave us with um, the enjoyment that suffering is uh, when it's with Christ, right? There, there's an enjoyment to that. And 
uh, well, I got two minutes, so let me say this. I remember spending one summer, I think I've shared this with you before, doing landscaping. And, and when I was doing landscaping, if you've ever done landscaping over the summer in Arizona, or if you've ever gone outside in the summer of Arizona, okay, you know how terrible it is. And I remember doing landscaping, but I did it with two of my best friends. And to this day, it was one of the best summers I've ever had. It was terrible doing the landscaping. But I la- we laughed and laughed and laughed. And I'm telling you, suffering is not easy, but suffering with Christ brings a joy that is inexpressible. I don't know what to tell you if you're a non-believer in here. So listen to this. We are followers of Christ. We follow him to the Garden of Gethsemane. We follow him into the Hall of Judgment. We follow him along the Via Della Rosa. We follow him unto death. But the gospel declares that we also follow him through the gates of heaven. Because we suffer with him, we also shall be raised with him. If we are humiliated with him, we also shall be exalted with him. Because of Christ, our suffering is not useless. It is part of the total plan of God who has chosen to redeem the world. He's chosen to redeem the world through the pathway of suffering. That's just true. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your goodness and your grace towards us. As we sit and process what it means to be adopted and what we've been adopted for, we recognize that our adoption is true if indeed, provided we suffer with you. That we may one day, it's true for our brothers and sisters all around the world, be persecuted. And that is included in this verse. It is true that we uh, enter into the areas of fasting and, and removal of comforts in this world. And that is true about us and you. But also that we would recognize that the world is broken. And that we, like you, are to enter into the brokenness of the world. We are to visit the orphan and widow, the inmates, provide water for those who are thirsty, shelter for those who do not have homes, food for those who are hungry, room for those who are strangers. We are to enter into their brokenness and thereby taking upon our backs suffering, but it is only because we follow you. So we need your strength. It's your suffering that we partake in. It's your burden that we want, not our own burdens, not the burden of this world, but it's light in some crazy way. It's light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you are. In your name we pray.